this episode, we'll continue examining the latest in colorectal cancer screening and the impact it has in preventing the second deadliest form of cancer. Welcome to Modern Practice. I'm your host, Dr. Tomas Villanueva, Senior Principal for Operations and Quality of Vizian and Practicing Internist. Joining me again is Dr. Abdul Aziz Adam, Director of Interventional Endoscopy and Medical Director of International Patient Services at Northwestern Medicine. Dr. Adam, welcome back. Thank you. It's great to be back. So on this episode, I'd like to take some more time on screening options that you mentioned in the last episode. So could you recap those options and actually go a little bit more versus the advantages and disadvantages? As a general internist, I would actually find that immensely helpful because I do find it hard for my patients to find the time for screening, particularly for colonoscopy. And the pandemic, frankly, made it worse. So I've been choosing some of the other options, though, I still prefer the gold standard. Ultimately, the best test is the screen test that gets done. And patients have certain preferences. It's important to realize that these are all good tests. So you have the home-based test. You have the FIT, which is the stool-based. And the disadvantage of that is it has to be done every year. And compliance over time naturally decreases. The Cologuard test, it is a good test. It's something that has to be done every three years. One of the particular issues with that, which is being addressed, was if you had a positive test, your insurance would then call the colonoscopy a diagnostic test. So there was some cost sharing involved. And that was a particular disadvantage because the patients had then used up their screening option. That is being addressed and insurance companies are changing that. So that's one thing to keep in mind that a positive colon does require a colonoscopy. And if I may also, I think there was a study that's actually maybe a little bit over a year ago that showed that the amount of people that follow up with a colonoscopy after a positive colon wasn't all that impressive. I think it was like 30%, if I recall right. You're absolutely right. Yeah, absolutely. And that's kind of the scary thing is that you have a positive test, which is a particularly sensitive test as well. And when that's positive, it needs to be taken very seriously. Now, if you think of the procedural tests, if we're thinking about particularly colonoscopy because it's the most common utilized, the advantages, of course, is that you're removing the precancerous polyps. The disadvantages being the bowel prep is particularly important and patients may struggle with that. So it's important to understand and follow the instructions. If you have a 4 p.m. colonoscopy, the instructions aren't the same as if you have a 8 a.m. colonoscopy. Right. What we know is that the best prep is the one that's done in the shortest period leading up to the procedure itself. So as physicians, we need to be aware of that and make sure that we're customizing those recommendations to our patients because a diminished bowel prep certainly is going to diminish the quality of the examination itself. Can you also mention about virtual colonoscopies? I can understand or our patients would find that to be a more desirable option. From the feedback I've received from patients, it's pretty uncomfortable as well. It can be certainly uncomfortable. It requires a bowel prep. You're not really sedated. It may require some insufflation of the colon itself. Right. And if there are any polyps that are found, Again, you're going to need a colonoscopy. So, you have to now go through that pulp prep a second time. Right. And the other issue is that this is a test that has to be repeated every five years. 
I also, I spent some time at UC Irvine and they were using artificial intelligence as an adjunct to their colonoscopies to actually find even minor polyps. I've not followed up on that and it's been a good five years. Do you have any follow-up? Artificial intelligence, it's here right now. And at Northwestern where I work, every single endoscopy room across our 11 hospitals has an AI computer that's connected to our colonoscopy processor. And it's enhancing the procedures that we're performing. Research that was done at our institution in a sample of nearly 5,000 colonoscopies found that artificial intelligence was able to actually reduce future colon cancer diagnoses by up to 39%. So, in summary, which of these options have the most promise then? It's a great question. And I think, honestly, they're all going to improve. I see the less invasive options being even better, a better bowel prep experience. There's options coming down the pipeline where this will be incorporated into sports drinks. Just make sure your kids don't pick up the wrong drink, you know, because they're going to be in the for an experience of their lifetime. (laughs) But I think that we're going to see that artificial intelligence is really going to help us with better detection and overall outcomes for our patients. Artificial intelligence is really at the forefront of news and it's like rise of the robots and they're going to come replace us. And that's not really going to be the case. It's interesting because, you know, artificial intelligence really first became this idea that was popular in the radiology community. And there was headlines that, oh, this is going to replace a radiologist. But what people come to realize is that, yeah, it's not going to replace radiologists. It's going to replace the radiologists who don't use artificial intelligence. And I think that goes the same for these other technology-based specialties and colonoscopy. It's a great one for artificial intelligence because we think we're really good at something, but none of these tests are perfect. And if this can incrementally help what we're doing, it's just going to lead to better patient outcomes. And I'll give you an example. When this idea first came about that we're going to use artificial intelligence, what we call an adenoma detection rate, which is a quality measure indicating that you're pretty good at colonoscopy and you're meeting these minimum thresholds. My detection rate was 42%, which is respectable. It's a good number. And I thought this artificial intelligence was just going to be a gimmick. I thought this is something that's just going to be flashing in the background and it's going to be distracting. And in the period of time that I used it, and then we get these report cards, kind of like every quarter, what your performance is like. And it had jumped from 42% to 55%. And I was shocked. And I was like, wow, this really is making an impact. So it does show promise because it makes us better at what we do. And medicine is not perfect, right? This is what we tell our patients that we do these tests and they're not 100%. There are polyp miss rates. There are false negative stool-based tests, all of these things. But if we can enhance what we do and make it better, then these things, if within reason, we should be willing to adopt. I couldn't agree more. And I would also like to add, since I have a different perspective as well, though it may be an inconvenience to my fellow gastroenterologists or even other healthcare professionals, but access is a problem. So perhaps doing these studies on the weekends, earlier in the evening as well, though obviously you don't want to have somebody be hungry the entire time, but efforts to increase access, I would highly encourage. Absolutely. I think post-pandemic, the way we approach everything is just different, right? 
We found that people working from home can be more efficient. Just the same in how we see our patients. For many people, they can't get away eight to five on a Monday to Friday. And for those patients, we need to be able to give them options that suit their life. Any final words for our listeners? I think the most important takeaway is just please make sure you're up to date with your cancer screening and encourage your family and friends to do the same. I couldn't agree more. Thank you so much. It's been my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Dr. Adam, thanks so much for joining us. And to our listeners, you can contact Dr. Adam at his email address in the resource section of our podcast page. And if you have any additional questions pertaining to modern practice or simply want to send us your comments, please contact me at our email at modernpracticepodcast@visitinc.com. We posted a link in our resource section. And please join us for other Modern Practice Podcasts. Subscribe today, like us, or send us your comments. And now, I'm Dr. Tomas Villanueva. Thank you so much for listening.